you've probably been asked the question before, are you saved? Or perhaps, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? People ask this question, sometimes at work, maybe um, friends of yours may have asked you these very important questions. However, before you answer these questions or reply to anyone else on any aspect of our faith, it's very important to clarify what the words mean, because words can mean different things in different contexts. So it's very important to unpack these very crucial words in our faith, and not just to hear them over and over again, and not really dig deep into what they mean and the effects that they have on our daily, daily life. There's a story of a man who went to be baptized, and the person baptizing him put his head in the water, and he said, do you believe? And the man said, yes, I believe. And then the second time, he put him in the water, and he said, are you sure you believe? He said, yes, I believe. And the third time, he dug him in, put him in a little longer, and he says, now tell us what you believe. And the guy got up, looked around, didn't know what was going on. He said, I believe you're trying to drown me. So it's very important to understand what words mean. And the story makes a difference how we use the word believe. And it always matters in faith how we use words. Therefore, before we can answer the question, are you saved, or any related question about salvation, I think it's very important to ask, well, what is salvation to start off with? And before we can answer, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we have to ask, what does this word accept mean? Specifically, is accepting something you do and claim you have done in the past? Or is accepting something you have done, are also currently doing, and that you commit to continue to do? The way we define the words salvation and accept can radically change the answer change how we view God, and change how we view our daily spiritual responsibilities. The word salvation is, of course, a very important one because the word Jesus literally means he who saves. And if we were to ask ourselves, what did Jesus come to do? The answer would be he came to save us. Therefore, this word can't really be overlooked, and it really needs to be understood and unpacked for the manifold aspects and elements of this word. Jesus came, of course, we say, to save us. But even that is not enough. We have to dig a little deeper and ask, well, what did Jesus come to save us from? And even further, what did he save us for? In the book of Genesis, we read how God created us in his image and likeness. But then humanity turned away from God and disfigured the image of God. A lamp can have a good bulb, and it could have very good wiring. But if you unplug it, then no more light can come from it. So in a sense, we can say that humanity unplugged itself from the light of God, and sin in our life is when we unplug ourselves from God and live in that darkness which is away from Him. The book of Genesis also shows us that although we are not always faithful to God, there's a very crucial element, is that God never turns away from us. That is why God promised Adam and Eve to send a Savior. 
right in the book of Genesis, the concept of salvation, of redemption, of God reaching out to humanity. And then, throughout the Old Testament, people were waiting for the Messiah, the Anointed One, in Greek, the Christ, who would come and save them from the separation that took place when Adam and Eve turned away from God, when, in a sense, they unplugged themselves from God and decided to go in a different direction. St. Paul explains salvation in his first letter of the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 20 to 23. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead came also through a human being. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. However, this salvation from sin and death that Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection does not mean we get a VI pass to heaven without any effort, without any commitments, without any repeated um, actions on our part. Because salvation, although it took place in the death and resurrection of Christ, it is not imposed upon us. Rather, we are invited to accept it, and it only takes place when we do accept it. In today's letter of St. Paul to the Romans, the word salvation is used three times. In verse 1, St. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God for them is that they may be saved. Then in verses 9 to 10, he says, If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified, and he confesses with his lips and so is saved. Therefore, the proper Catholic understanding of salvation is that we are saved by what Jesus did for us on the cross, by taking on our humanity, and by dying, and by rising. All this is what Jesus did to save us. Second, not only are we saved, but we are also being saved when we accept that Christ did for us. It's not important enough that Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and that's good enough. The world can go on living as if it lived and when it lived before Christ came. There has to be a connection. There has to be a bridge into our life. We have to accept it. He died for us, not just as some sort of mir uh, miracle wand waving over the world, but he died for us and invites us to accept that salvation that cost him his life, but that he freely gives everyone who accepts to believe in him. Therefore, the answer in this case, are you saved, is we are saved, and we are being saved, and we will be saved. Salvation is something that has happened, the historical event, that is happening, our response, and will happen when we leave the world. Yes, we are saved because Jesus saved us through his death and resurrection, but we cannot just say we are saved because of what Jesus did. We have to say we are being saved because we need to respond every day in a positive way to Jesus' invitation. 
and we need to keep responding. When we do this, we can be sure that we will be saved because we have not only made an initial proclamation of faith, but we have remained faithful to what we have committed to be faithful to. That is a very crucial element. Therefore, we can await to hear after we, after a lifetime of being faithful, therefore we can await to hear from Jesus the words that we heard in Matthew chapter 25, verses 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Today, let us also be very practical. It's very important in our faith to dig deeper into these words. Um, and not to dismiss the importance of analyzing and studying the Bible very deeply and unpacking these words. But let us also move on to how this affects something um, practical in our daily life and our thoughts on salvation. First, let us reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Let us reflect on His life. Let us reflect on His incarnation, His teachings, and His death and resurrection. If we love someone... We want to communicate with them by either reading what they write or by speaking with them. That is why it is important to read the Bible, which is a compilation of God's love letters to us. In the Bible, where we end up reading and meditating and reflecting on all the different nuances of Christ's life and everything that He has done for us. In addition to that, we also need to pray, which is how we speak with God and allow God to speak with us. We are in a sense disadvantaged, but in a sense advantaged because the people that were with Christ saw his miracles and saw him doing the things that he did and were able to speak with him personally. Today we do that by reading the Bible and also by praying. We also need to accept God's gift of eternal life by specifically telling God that we do accept him in our life and that we do want to live our life according to His plans and according to His will for us. If you haven't done it, it's very important to stop today, either now or later at home, and to do it repeatedly. Not us think of your faith as something theoretical in the past, but that you accept this gift of salvation that God has extended to you. We cannot live in default mode, and that's perhaps one of the biggest faults that we have. We all say... We're Christians, we're Catholics, we're followers of Christ, we have a nice cross, we have beautiful icons at home, but that's not enough. We can't live in default mode. We have to accept that visible, visual message that we proclaim. We need to choose our settings, if you will, and, specific, and repeatedly check and reaffirm them. Maybe we have gone off in a different path, just assuming that we are good followers of Christ. And finally, we need to live like we mean it. Decide to do something practical and real that reflects what you believe. Take it to your world. Take it to your family. An element of forgiveness, an element of huma hum humility, an element of service to those around you, an element of dedicating your, t your, your day, specific times of your day, to study more and to read more. In short, if you are taken to court today, I like this analogy that I heard once, Imagine if all of you were taken to court today for being a follower of Jesus, and they said, prove it. Make sure that there is plenty of evidence by your faith that
that you are a follower of Christ? What is the evidence for your faith? What is the evidence, three questions that the court, the judge will ask you. Do we have enough evidence that Jesus has saved you? Do we have enough evidence that Jesus is saving you? And do we have enough evidence at the end of your life that Jesus will save you?